invite you to turn in your Bibles for our scripture reading to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4, I'll read verses 1 through 8. For using on the page 1,183. 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus are known as pastoral epistles. Uh, pastoral epistles are those letters that Paul wrote to Timothy and Titus, obviously the name there, two of his young uh, apprentices, and he discipled them and he encourages them to fulfill their calling as ministers of the gospel. That's why they are called pastoral epistles. And we're going to be looking at chapter 4, verses 1 to 5. Those verses will constitute my sermon text for this morning. And taking up the theme, preach the word, preach the word. Let us now hear God's word, beginning at verse 1. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ, the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time when people will not endure sound teaching, but will have itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be so minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Thus far the reading of God's word may add his blessing upon the preaching and teaching of it. Congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, we rejoice, we rejoice in God's goodness and grace towards His people, towards His church, because by the guidance of the Holy Spirit and the good providence of God, the church of Jesus Christ was and is being reformed according to the Word of God. What was reformed during the time of the Reformation? Well, there were many things that were being reformed during the time of Reformation. Most notably is we come to know the good news, the gospel of grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone, the gospel of salvation. What else was reformed? Well, the doctrine of the church and the worship of the church to God was reformed. What else was reformed? alone. Scripture alone, sola scriptura, was one of the, the important truths that came out of the Reformation period. You ask yourself, how do you know the gospel? How do you know the truth of Jesus Christ? You look to the Word of God. You look to Scripture. That's what we look to. That's what we turn to, to know the true God and His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. 
this morning we want to focus our attention on the Word of God. Because the Bible mandates, Paul mandates, that the church preaches the Word. The Word of God. And this was an important aspect of the Reformation because the Roman Catholic Church doesn't believe that the Bible itself teaches Scripture alone. Now, it's true that the Bible doesn't explicitly say Scripture alone, but the Bible itself teaches that it is the Word of God and that God has given us everything that we need for life and godliness. And because it is the Word of God, it is our only source of authority for doctrine and holiness of life, both the life of the church and in each individual Christian's life. The Bible is the source of authority. And so there was this conflict in the Reformation period. What's the source of the authority in the church? Who has the source of authority? Is it the Bible alone, Scripture alone, or Scripture plus something else? I'm going to talk about those other things in the Roman Catholic Church a little bit later. But the way I structured the sermon this morning, each point is in the form of questions that are answered by the text. First, who is charged to preach the Word? Who is charged to preach the Word? Look with me in your Bible at verse 1. I... As Paul says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Now there are five imperatives, five commands. Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort. But preaching the word, preach the word, is the foundational basis by which the other commands are built upon. And Timothy is charged by the Apostle Paul to preach the word. And to do so, Paul charges Timothy before the presence of God. You notice that in the presence of God or before God and of Christ Jesus, who, by the way, will come to judge the living and the dead. He will appear a second time. And when he appears, he's going to bring the kingdom of God and bring the kingdom to his Father. Before that time, Timothy, I charge you to preach the word. Because the time is a coming when judgment will be had and the Son of God will descend from the right hand of the Father and judge all people. He will execute justice and righteousness and usher in his Father's kingdom. Meanwhile, Timothy, I charge you as a minister of the gospel to preach the word. Not the word plus man's traditions or opinions. That is, those traditions that are outside the bounds or contradictory to the scriptures. Preach the word until he comes again. In fact, let that be your motivating factor. You know he's coming. You know he's going to appear. You know he's going to bring the kingdom in all its fullness. 
preach the word with gusto, with fervor, with devotion, calling men, women, and children everywhere to repent and believe the gospel, to practice godliness in accordance with the will of God recorded in the Bible. This is Timothy's calling and task. This is the minister's calling and task. Pastors usually go to the pastoral epistles to be encouraged and exhorted and corrected and reminded of our task. To not be persuaded with the various techniques and methods of the current culture of the church and the different gimmicks that are going on. No, we need to be reminded to preach the Word. The source of authority is the Word of God, and that must be preached. Because in the Word is communicated to all men everywhere, all men, women, and children, that we must repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and so be saved. And this is the charge and calling of the minister. He is called and gifted by God. And he is called by the church by the church to be a minister of the word, called by God, ordained by God to be a minister, but also called by the church. Those are two important aspects of who is charged to preach the word. Preachers don't have the authority to ordain themselves into the preaching ministry. And so there's an internal call that the pastor, that Timothy had of God's gift in his life to preach the word. But also the church recognized those gifts and called him to that ministry as well. Where do I get this from? Well, look with me at, at uh, 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18. Paul says to Timothy, this charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience. The church was made aware of God's call in Timothy's life to preach a minister of the word. Look with me at chapter 4, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11 to 16. Paul says to Timothy, Command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in faith, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. In other words, again, preachers don't declare themselves ministers or elders. They are declared such by God Himself through the working of the Spirit among the church. Even in Chapter 1, verse 6, again, 
Paul says to Timothy, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Who is charged with the preaching of the word? God appointed and ordained servants who declare the whole counsel of God. Declare the word of God. Is there any man in here, in this sanctuary, who has that call? Is God nudging in your heart? I realize I haven't exhorted the congregation in this lately, but I feel it's pertinent at this time. Is there any man in here who feels that inward call, that inner call of God to preach the Bible, to preach Christ, young or old? Young or old? At Synod, a couple weeks ago, I ran into a friend that I knew back in seminary days, and we were talking about ministry, of course. That's what you do at Synod. <laughs> but I asked him when he knew God was calling him to the ministry. And he knew in junior high, in junior high, he felt God calling him to gospel ministry. And then there are men who go to seminary who feel that call, that charge to preach the word while they're engineers, doctors, lawyers, plumbers, whatever vocation, but they have that call, whether young or old. Is there someone here that has that inner call to preach Christ and Him crucified? The harvest is plentiful, says Jesus, but the laborers are few. Pray to the Lord of harvest that He will send out laborers. Add that to your prayer list. May God raise up men within Emmanuel United Reformed Church to preach Christ and Him crucified. May God raise up more men in our federation to preach Christ and Him crucified. May God raise up men in all faithful true churches to preach Christ and Him crucified. Men who are charged to preach the Word. Secondly, what is the Word and its central message? Paul charges Timothy to preach the Word, which is foundational to be ready in season and out of season, to reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. What is it? What is it? What is the Word? Is it the written word or is it the oral word? The written word or the oral word? The, the, the word that's spoken during the time of the apostles and prophets when they traveled as missionaries. See, this is where the rubber meets the road in the time of the Reformation. Because there is such thing in the Roman Catholic Church as an oral tradition. What's called sacred tradition. Those things, that tradition that was passed along after the sacred scriptures were written down for us. In Paul's letter, even just in 2 Timothy, Paul refers to the word as the word of truth the sacred writings, the scriptures. In fact, look with me at chapter 3, verse 16. 
Actually, I begin at verse 15. Chapter 3, verse 15. Timothy was taught from a young age. He was acquainted. You have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture, all Scripture, the sacred writings, is God breathed out by, is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. All Old Testament Scripture, that's what he's referring to. The Old Testament Scriptures were used by the apostles to preach Christ and Him crucified. Pointing to the prophecies like Isaiah 53, Psalm 2, Psalm 110, Psalm 53. Oh, I can go on and on. Isaiah 53. They pointed to the Scriptures, the Old Testament, to prove that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And yet the Holy Spirit used men or carried men along to write down His Word. He wrote, sent, uh, sent the Spirit upon men, carried them along in a very organic way to write the New Testament Scriptures. And we have the New Testament Scriptures by God's goodness and providence. He provided the church so that everything we need to know and love and serve the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have been written down for us in the Old Testament and now the New Testament. I want to draw your attention to a couple passages. You see, in the New Testament, Paul's writings hold equal authority to the Old Testament Scriptures. Did you know that? Did you know that they held Paul's writings on equal authority as Scripture? That's why we call the New Testament and his letters Scripture. Turn with me to 1 Thessalonians 2.13. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13, and then we're going to go to 2 Peter 3. Paul says to the Thessalonians, and we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. So when Paul wrote and he spoke, he wrote and spoke under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the very Word of God. Now, turn with me to 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 3. Listen to how Peter speaks of Paul's letters. 2 Peter chapter 3. Beginning at verse 15. And count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, 
as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. As they do the other scriptures on equal par with the Scriptures and the Holy Spirit working through the church gave us this holy divine word. Preach the word. Preach the word. But what do we make of the oral tradition? Because the apostles and prophets didn't always write, they spoke the wisdom and word of God as well. Well, we can't know. And this is fundamental difference between Protestantism and, and the Roman Catholic Church. Sola Scriptura, a scripture alone, was one of the major contributions of the Reformation because, as I said, in the Roman Catholic Church, they believe that the Bible itself doesn't teach scripture alone. They believe in scripture, sacred tradition, and the magisterium, or the, the papacy the authority of the Pope, what they call apostolic succession. When Jesus said to Peter, on this rock, on you, Peter, I will build my church, they believe that referred to apostolic succession, that there would be men in place that followed in Peter's coattails who would exercise authority over the church, including doctrine. This oral tradition throughout the history of the church would count also as authoritative, as authoritative as the scriptures. These three, the Bible, tradition, and the Pope, the magisterium, hold equal value and authority because it is the church of Rome that determines what is the word of God because God speaks through the church. Now, I want to kind of help us understand the problem of this and how the Reform, Reformation was so influential and how the fruit of the Reformation affects all of us. How does the church, how does the church of Rome reconcile the teachings of Mary? I'm just going to name two, give two examples. The teachings of Mary. For example, the church believes in the Immaculate Conception, the Immaculate Conception, which was taught by Pope Pius IX. Listen to what is written, and this is to be believed and authoritative in the life of the church of Rome. He wrote, Above all creatures did God so love her, Mary, that truly in her was the Father well pleased with singular de delight. Therefore, far above all the angels and all the saints, so wondrously did God endow her with the abundance of all heavenly gifts poured from the treasury of his divinity that this mother, ever absolutely free of all sins, all stain of sin, all fear and perfect, 
would possess that fullness of holy innocence and sanctity than which under God one cannot even imagine anything greater and which outside of God no mind can succeed in comprehending fully. Mary is free absolutely from all stain of sin. Does the Bible teach that? Didn't Mary in her Magnificat say how she was a sinner and needed a Savior? How about the assumption of Mary? The assumption of Mary. That is, she was taken up into heaven. They write, the Catholic Church relies heavily upon sacred tradition as passed down from the apostles and manifested in the teaching authority of the church. The assumption of Mary is one doctrine of the church that has emerged from apostolic tradition rather than directly from Scripture. It is not officially declared whether or not Mary underwent human death. However, what the church does officially pronounce is that after the course of her earthly life, Mary was assumed body and soul into heaven by the power of God. The church's belief that Mary's soul was perfectly sinless gives us confidence that she went directly to God. At the same time, her body was not subject to corruption as our human bodies typically are. Is this the first time you're hearing this? Did you know this? Can you see how if you don't hold to Scripture alone, There's problems, serious problems. These are just two examples. And when tested against Scripture, these two doctrines do not hold water. They are not taught in the Word of God and proven false by the Word of God. How do we reconcile Mary's office as mediator, praying to the saints, purgatory, are these doctrines going beyond what is written? Many of you know I was a Catholic. This is what we believed. It was opening the scriptures and reading the scriptures where I saw, by God's grace and his spirit, ah, I'm saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone who is the Son of God and Son of Man. He is the only sinless one. He is the only one that didn't undergo corruption. He was buried on the third day. He what? Rose from the dead and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. He is the only mediator between God and man. And through faith in His name, we have eternal life. This is the central message of the Bible. Jesus is the central message of the Bible. A wonderful summary of the central message of the Word is found in Lord's Day 1, question and answer 2, when it asks, how many things must you know to live and die in the comfort of belonging to Jesus Christ? Do you know those three things? How great my sin and misery are? how I am delivered from all my sin and misery, and how I am to thank God for delivering me from all my sin and misery. That encapsulates the Bible, and at the center of it is Jesus. The one who became the sin bearer. The one 
who is righteous and true and good and bore my sin on the cross and accredited to me His righteousness, His holiness, and has set me apart by His grace to serve the living God. God revealed Himself to us in His Word. And Paul charges Timothy, preach this Word. Preach Christ. Preach to sinners that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Preach the Gospel. God, who is rich in mercy, sent His Son to save us from our sins, to forgive us of all of our sins, to grant us eternal life. And He will come again to judge the living and the dead. Is your faith, is your faith in Christ and His Word Lastly, why does God call men to preach the Word? Preach the Word, be ready in season and out of season, that is always ready to bring the truth. When the enemy attacks, bring the truth. When false teachers come in, bring the truth. When there are times of peace and prosperity, bring the truth. Always bring the truth. Be prepared always to bring the truth of the Word. Reprove, or the word means to expose guilt, convict of guilt, rebuke, warn, warn, exhort, call to action. So you're bringing about exposure of our guilt and sin. Okay? Reprove. We're warning the consequences of sin. But we call to action. We exhort, look to your Savior. Look to Jesus. And Paul, or Timothy, when you do this work, when you fulfill your ministry in this way, do it in a manner that is consistent with long-suffering, with patience and teaching. With patience and teaching of sound mind, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Fulfill your ministry. All these tasks are baseless and unachievable apart from the Word of God and the strength and Spirit of the Lord. Because ministry will have many joys and yet many trials and challenges. And it's the minister's calling to pastor patiently among the sheep with all the different personalities, with all the different issues, with all the different family issues, personal issues, spiritual struggles, physical struggles, pastor patiently and teach the Word. That said, and I'm sure I'm preaching to the choir, ministers are not your chief and good shepherd. I'm stating the obvious. Ministers are not the chief shepherd. He is not all-knowing and present everywhere. 
And he is called to serve with all his failures. He too is a sinner and needs the grace of Christ and needs your prayers. Who is called or why, why is the preacher called to preach the word? To fulfill his ministry that God has put upon him. To call his people to holiness of life and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. They're also charged or called to, to preach the word because with the word he must warn of apostasy. Look with me at verse 3. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. That is, he will not endure healthy, uncorrupted teaching. No, he'll have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. What do you do when you have an itch? You want to scratch it. Evil passions are itching ears that want to be scratched. We want to give in to the lies. And we want those lies, those evil passions, to be scratched and justified with unhealthy doctrine. And Paul charges Timothy to warn, to warn of apostasy. Also, to promote knowledge of God and the truth of Jesus Christ. A minister isn't called to tell you what's in his heart. He's called to preach the heart of God from the Scriptures. The minister isn't called to jump right into application. He's called to preach the Word and draw application from the text of Scripture. A minister, first and foremost, is a preacher of the whole counsel of God. Also, to persuade sinners to repent and believe. The minister enters the pulpit to preach to all of us because we are all sinners. The Word of God calls all sinners everywhere to repent and believe the good news that Jesus Christ died for sinners. He was buried and on the third day He rose from the dead. Believe and be saved. And walk in a manner worthy of the calling that is in Jesus Christ. Walk in holiness and godliness. In fact, in 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, you'll see that often that doctrine and life, doctrine and life are essential not only to the life of the minister, but to the life of the Christian. Keep watch over your doctrine. Keep watch over your life. And this is through the ministry of the Word that we are exhorted to walk in. Ultimately, ultimately, God calls ministers to preach the Word, to spread His fame and His glory. The glory of God is proclaimed when the Word is preached. The minister proclaims the fame of God, the greatness of God, the praise of God to all nations everywhere. Turn with me to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. Beginning at verse 14. 
Romans chapter 10, and verse 10 to 13, he talks about the one who with his heart believes and is justified and with the mouth confesses and is saved, and everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Verse 14, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they, are, who, whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Preach the word. How will they hear unless someone preach? Timothy, preach the word. Churches of Jesus Christ, preach the word. It is a means of grace that God uses to draw sinners to himself. And it is one of the marks of the true church. One of the marks of the true church. Young people, should you leave Damat or the surrounding area for whatever reason? What church will you attend? What do you look for first and foremost? Does the minister preach the word? And are you able to discern whether or not he is preaching the word? God charges the church and her ministers to preach the word. And his word is not bound. It will not return void. It will go forth. And those who are appointed to eternal life will hear the word of God preached and respond and follow the good and great shepherd. You believe because you have been appointed to eternal life and the good shepherd spoke to you through his word and you believed and you follow him. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we give you thanks and praise for the word of God, which is living and active and sharper than any double-edged sword. We thank you, O Lord, that your word opens our hearts, exposes our hearts to our sin and misery. Your word does not leave us there. It points to the deliverance that is full and free in the Lord Jesus Christ, who paid for all of our sins by his precious blood and delivered us from the tyranny of the devil. We thank you, O Lord, that because your word and spirit sanctifies us, draws us closer to Jesus, conforms us to your image, we can now walk in a manner worthy of the calling, walk in gratitude towards you. Help us, O Lord, to be diligent in our study of your word. Help us, O Lord, to be quick hearers of your word. Help us, O Lord, to cherish your word, to eat up your word, to be a people of the book. And may all that we believe and the way we live be moved by your word, as your word is our foundation to all things in regards to doctrine and the way we live our lives for Jesus. Oh Lord, we need your grace even here and your spirit's blessing. And so help us, we pray in Jesus' name.